T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's get the red zone reaction coming this morning. And we start that reaction in Boston because the New England Patriots they look like a team without answers this morning. They are a gimmicky offense. That's what they are. They're an offense that needs trick plays to generate big offense. But the big takeaway on Monday morning is the officiating. The NFL has a major problem on their hands. It's going to get worse. We're going to have a repeat of last year in New Orleans. It feels inevitable. Let's listen to some of the callers, and then we will break down the two unforgivable blown calls by these officials. Here's WEI. Yeah, I, I, the reason why I called up, I have respect for all three of you, especially Fred and Steve, yeah, who played the game. But this referees, whether it's basketball or everything, I'm looking at it. I, I really believe the fix is in, and I'm yes. wondering, you guys played this game. I'm looking at it as a fan now. I'm, I'm a 49er fan, but I'm looking at the Pats. Oh, my God, did they get ripped off? And the Lakers the other night were up by 10, and then OKC made the point spread to four with a minute and two seconds left. This is, like, ridiculous now. It's like... Okay, the only thing... the uh, only and, and I'll let these two guys speak. Step away obviously, the, they, they step can away I say from one thing? Yeah. Twin River. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I would say this, Gary, that most of the country believes that New England has been getting breaks down for the last 20 years all from the officials. And I think that's a bunch of bull. So the officials are, are, a bunch of are human beings who screw up, and tonight they screwed up. No, right. No. Screwed up. No, not yeah. three times They're in a row. They're not human beings. Four times in a row. They screwed up. They screwed up. Blatantly standing there with a guy who's on ground. So you think it's fixed like Gary? Something's I going do. on. Either they're <laughs> unbelievably incompetent how about, how about or they're Gary's right. Okay, so would you put, you have a multi-billion dollar uh, entity uh, would you risk bringing that down by having uh, uh, referees that are What's corrupt? the example? What's the example? I mean, what, what, what's the solution? You want me to prove a negative? No, I'm telling. I'm pr- proving you because it's no, so blatantly obviously what was going on there. And it's you mostly, can't it's be, mostly anti It can't be that They're really bad, though. I mean, bad. Glenn, they're really bad. No, I no, mean, they were terrible. They got tonight. a third they, referee yeah. in basketball, and it's been worse than ever. All right, so there are the callers on WEEI, our radio.com affiliate in Boston. You can check them out on the radio.com app. And if you missed that game, a lot of officiating issues come down to two key calls all in the same sequence. Travis Kelsey late in this game stripped. It would have been a scoop and score touchdown for the New England Patriots. They did review it and determine it was indeed a fumble recovered by the Patriots. But once again, they blew it dead and stopped the Patriots from scoring a touchdown. Move forward in that drive. Rookie wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, a beast mode effort by the rookie to get in the end zone. And even in real time, I've got an 11 year old kid in the house screaming touchdown and raising the arms. They blew that one dead, saying he went out of bounds, and the Patriots, of course, could not challenge it. You can argue all day that Bill Belichick blew a challenge. That's not the point. 
The refs blew it on two occasions. I have read several columns and heard hosts from around the country talk about how the Patriots had it coming and they had the tuck rule and this and that. I don't give a damn. I don't care about last year's AFC championships. The ref blew it on both occasions. Ross, how do they fix this? How big a problem does the NFL have on its hands? Well, it's kind of funny, Dave, because I, I tweeted this last night. I said, rough game for people that think the Patriots get all the breaks calls. <laughs> right now, Dave, it's got 1,100 retweets and almost 5,000 likes. It's it's crazy because you either have all the Patriots fans saying, yeah, see, we don't get all the breaks, we don't get all the breaks, but then you have everybody else replying and saying, just like the caller said, they had it coming. They always do get all the breaks. Right. There's no question that over the last 20 years, there is a belief that the Patriots get most of the calls, most of the breaks, which is perhaps why it's so noticeable when they get the raw deal on a number of calls at home I would even say the Sammy Watkins catch that they spotted, they gave him like a yard better spot. And even after Belichick challenged it, they didn't overturn it. I thought that was significant as well. Look, pretty clearly, okay, the Patriots got screwed by the officiating, to which everybody else around the NFL is saying, welcome to our world. This is how it is sometimes. You get screwed by officiating. Uh, There's two different things here, Dave. There's number one, New England and their whole thing with officials. And then there's the bigger issue of the officiating in general, which is disappointing. It, it It really is disappointing. I don't know why it's gotten worse, but it has clearly gotten worse. And it's not all just technology and replay Like, those guys should know on the Travis Kelsey fumble not to blow it dead. They know that. And how do you say a guy goes out of bounds with such fervor when he didn't? Like, what are you looking at? It's really disappointing because I'm the type of guy, and that's what I say, by the way, Dave, that they should have this guy judge. Because, you know, for Belichick not having any more challenges and not be able to get that touchdown is really disappointing because Harry clearly scored. But... For the first time, the Patriots didn't get a lot of the breaks, in people's opinion, and it cost them. Tell you what, Dave, this is this is it's it's weird to say this with them being ten and three, but this is one of the worst Patriots teams I've ever seen. I mean, they got to block a punt, they got to get a touchdown on a flea flicker, they got to get a James White halfback option pass. I mean, they are pulling out all of the stops, and they scored sixteen points at home against the Chiefs, 16 points. I mean, it is it is a tough watch. Obviously, the officiating didn't help, but they're not a very good football team right now. Yeah, two plays for the Patriots over 20 yards. One was the flea flicker, Brady to Edelman touchdown. The other one was, of course, the James White throw. So it is gimmicks right now that allow the Patriots to pick up yards and to score touchdowns. If not... It's a defensive score. It's a special teams play. But your point is a good one. They're 10-3. and Now their 21-game home winning streak is over. 
Rashad Breeland really clinched it, but it was the refs, I think, if you are a Patriots fan. It's the refs that stole that away from you. And now you look at Tom Brady. His big losses, they couldn't be more symbolic. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, has the torch officially been passed? And what do you make of my first impression in this game, which is halftime, Tom Brady going to the locker room, and the Boo Birds are full out in Foxborough? Uh, well, I, I, that just makes me laugh because I can't wait till they see what it's like when Brady's not there anymore. I can't wait. They have very, very spoiled fans in New England who have known nothing but winning. Imagine booing a team that hasn't lost in front of you in three years or whatever it is. I mean, imagine that. That is unbelievable. And look, I get it. The offense was struggling. People were frustrated. They're used to better. But get a grip. I can't wait to see what these fans are like when Brady's not there anymore and when this Patriots run, this Patriots dynasty is over. They got a big-time wake-up call coming because it's pretty clear they don't appreciate them as much as they should. I thought you were wrong when you said that after the Brady era is over, you said that this place will be half-empty. I learned last night at halftime, you were absolutely right. You get, Look, I love the fans' right to boo, and I always support it. I always stand up for it. But not a team that's won 21 straight games at home. Not a team that always seems to come out in the second half and find a way to win and make the adjustments. They certainly deserved the benefit of the doubt from those home fans. The ref spoke clearly that the receiver is not protected by the same rules on a punting situation as he is on the other three downs. Yes, it was clearly interference. Don't have that protection on a punting situation. Let's listen to some angry callers nonetheless on 870 AM in New Orleans after a tough two-point loss. And Steven in New Orleans, you're on the point after on the New Orleans Saints radio network, Steven. Hey, Christian, uh, Bobby. Listen, I was at the game, and um, there's a couple of things I want to go over. First of all, I thought the fake punt was horrible. I mean, after I found out the rule, I understood exactly what the rule was. I said, so why? I, I believe that was a fourth and long. I don't think it was even fourth and short. So I thought that was a horrible call. I thought the coaches on the two-point conversion early, you had a 49er fan behind me say, that's going to come back to haunch, and sure enough, it did. And also, um, there's one other coaching. Uh, oh, Tell me what happened on that last play to the tight end. Were we was and no no disrespect to Dave Aranda. Were we playing press coverage? I mean, uh, the guy goes down and thirty something yards and a penalty on top of it. And one more thing before you answer that question, I agree with Bobby on these tickets. It's just like people complain when uh, say Californians move into another state and drive the price of property up so nobody can live. These people are buying tickets. They're they're. Uh, they're supplying their income when I'm sitting here on a waiting list waiting to get season tickets. Real Saints fans. These guys aren't real Saints fans. They're entrepreneurs. I want real Saints fans in there owning seats, not 20,000 Niners fans in there. It was pathetic. And I hang up and listen. Wow. Couldn't tell that from the broadcast. 
per the officiating, what surprised me about the call, and again, uh, looked like Sean Payton was furious after the call and wanted interference. Later, he tried to elaborate, saying he was looking for a holding call. Ross, Sean Payton is on the competition committee. He's the one that helped make that rule that does not give a receiver protection on a fourth down situation. So why would he design a fake punt that looked, at least from my vantage point, to be relying on pass interference? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I'm not sure he knew the rule uh, because otherwise Oof. I don't really know what he's thinking he's going to get out of that. He looked upset afterwards. Guess what? Yeah. Too bad. That's the rule. I mean, when, when you are in punt formation, the end man in the line is not protected because he's – otherwise, Dave, you could just run a fake punt every time. You know what I mean? And Because the gunner – the guys are the yeah. jammers are holding up the gunner and they're grabbing him and they're hitting him and then you just throw the ball out there. Oh, it's interference. That rule is in place for a reason, and the officials get a lot of flack and probably rightfully so. So that when they make a right decision, and it's a good no call, they deserve kudos. They did the right thing there. It's funny because I was watching the red zone, Dave, and Scott Hansen, who does an unbelievable job by the way in the red zone. He was saying the same thing. How is that not interference? How is Sean Payton not challenging it? Because a lot of people don't understand or didn't know that that was a rule that that end man in the line of scrimmage, there is no, there isn't really even holding either. I mean, there is, but it's the same holding as on the punt return. So it's almost like a Hail Mary that it'd have to be really egregious for them to call holding in that situation. So, I thought it was, I, I, I agree with the caller. If you know the rule, then it's a really poor decision to run that fake punt in that situation. The 49ers were the 48ers, 94 combined points, 981 yards of total offense, a huge win by the new number one seed in the NFC, the Niners. Let's bring in Joe Shasky, the butcher boy from 95-7, the game in the Bay Area. Good to see you, my friend. It's Ross Tucker and Dave Briggs. Go ahead, yell at all of us out here on the East Coast. Go ahead and gloat. I thought, we thought, most thought Jimmy Garoppolo could not put a team on his shoulders and lead them to victory the way he did yesterday. Oh, man, so many things to unpack from yesterday's game. Their defense, which was leading the way for the team, got shredded yesterday. Sean Payton, let's talk about him for a second. He's the Doc Rivers of the NFL. Is he a good coach? Absolutely. The guy whines on every single possession. He's crying left and right. And the Saints are one of the sneaky, dirty teams in the league. Did you see the final play of the game? The guy was ripping George Kittle's face mask for, what, 9, 15 yards? I mean, that was unbelievable. They cry and whine after every single play. Sean Payton's still not over Bounty Gate and the 49ers exposing him and Greg Williams uh, in the 2011 divisional round when he said he was going to cut the head off of Alex Smith and Frank Gore. I'm so sick of the New Orleans Saints. It's unbelievable. And yes, he's a great play caller, but when push comes to shove, why does Sean Payton always find himself in these dilemmas late in games where he's discombobulated and his team 
loses their emotion because he constantly loses his emotion. I'm telling you, this was huge loss for the Saints. They lose the inside track to a, a divisional game and having that bye. But for the 49ers, this was all about Jimmy Garoppolo. 350 yards, four touchdowns, the one interception off of Emmanuel Sanders' hands. He's doing this with a backup center. Weston Richburg was fantastic all year after hurting himself last year. You know, Ben Garland goes in there, and they didn't skip a beat. Emmanuel Sanders gashing him, Ricky Moser gashing him, the rookie Debo Samuels gashing him, and then the biggest play of the year. Fourth and two, you go to George freaking Kittle, and the animal turns it upfield and gets them in field position. This is a signature win of the Shanahan-John Lynch era. All right, so here's my question, Joe. Are people out there loving Kittle more or Jimmy G more? Are there more Kittle jerseys being sold or more Jimmy G jerseys being sold these days? Well, you ask my wife. My wife's going to tell you it's Jimmy Garoppolo by a landslide. But if you ask just the diehard fans that I see out in the stands, George Kittle is going to go down as one of the all-time 49er legends. And I mean this, and I'm not saying this without pause. I mean, my grandfather's 85 years old, goes all the way back to Keysar, 1946, when the team originated. He says to me, Joe, there's Patrick Willis, there's Bob St. Clair, there's Ronnie Lott, and there's George Kittle. Guys who could play in any era, with any team, at any time. George Kittle is a fan favorite. He's like a WWE superstar. The guy's an absolute hero to young fans. He, the old school fans love his grit, the way he blocks on the edge. He just does everything for this team. He's the Gronk 2.0 of today's day and age. And it's saying a lot to say that he could be the greatest tight end in 49er history. We have Brent Jones, Russ Francis. Don't forget Vernon Davis had a hell of a career for the 49ers. 50 career touchdowns, uh, broke the, the individual touchdown record for the 49ers multiple times. And George Kittle's more talented and a better football player than Vernon Davis. And I hold Vernon Davis in unbelievably high regard. So, yeah, George Kittle is an absolute stud. But if you ask the ladies, I mean, it's Jimmy. Jesus, baby. Come on. Look at the man. He looks like Superman. <laughs> we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's now get to our good friend Mark Herzlick, former New York Giant, a Super Bowl champion, a Boston College Eagle, a cancer survivor 10 years ago. Mark Herzlick, great to have you still rocking the Mohawk. That was my biggest question this morning. I love the commitment to the Mohawk. Is your wife on board, also a BC Eagle? Uh, do you think I would still have it if my wife was not on board? That's the real question. Uh, I don't know, I, man. There's I, so, a lot of stubborn dudes out there. Well, 
I'll, I'll tell you this. So I play this tough guy role on the football field and got them up, but I am totally not the tough guy when it comes to my relationship in my house. I, uh, I do what my wife says, um, at least when I don't want to get in trouble a lot of times. And uh, she loves the Mohawk. So that's why it's still here. You know what the beauty is of the Mohawk, Mark, is that I know where you're from outside of Philadelphia, the main <laughs> line, the main line outside of Philadelphia, yes. where all the rich people live. Then you went to Boston College, which is even more rich people. And now you live in Rich Boy, Connecticut, right next to uh, Briggs. You live next to Johnny Hedge Fund over there in wherever you guys live in Connecticut. You might, in all three places, you must stick out like a sore thumb. Do people look at you like who is this clown show? Because you're like you're like the only um, the, you know with with, with yes. the bourgeoisie. What's the I'm blanking here. The, if there's the bourgeoisie, what are the poor people called? Peasants? I'd be like a plebeian. Peasants, maybe a plebeian you're like the only peasant farmer, among the yeah. bourgeoisie. Yeah, well, you know that, that's uh, I do walk in into rooms and into events and I some it's funny because sometimes I forget that these are the first time these people are seeing me uh with a mohawk and just like you know also the size thing you forget that I'm 6'5 240 and it just fits in when around you Ross or you know other football players and you're like oh that's average size but when you walk in <laughs> to just regular America it is gigantic so uh i'm this big guy with a mohawk and um that all being said somehow i give off this um this aura of just of being approachable i i'd say i'm probably the most approachable guy with a mohawk in the world i'll be walking down <laughs> through the mall and like an 80 year old grandmother with, with with like a walker will come up to me and ask me for directions passed by everybody else but want to know from me where to go so you know it's just something about me. Nothing says approachable like 6'5", 245, and a mohawk. Now, not everyone is watching us on video. Some people are just catching the audio. Give me a better look of the mohawk. Like, I, I need to get a bit. Okay, okay, you're looking down. Okay, all right. So it's not it's not too it tall. All, and the do you, all the way in the back. And how often do you have to shave the head? And do you do that with a razor? Yeah, so I, I get this, like, I use a mirror and put it behind my head and then use another mirror and go like that. And so I look right into it. So it's, Whoa. it becomes an art, but this is my thing. So when you have the same haircut for 10 plus years, you should be able to know how to do it yourself. Like it doesn't change. So like, I don't need to go to the barber. I don't need to go to a hair salon. If I know what I get every single time, I should be able to do it myself. Do you guys cut Mark, your own hair or do you we, guys go to barber? Are you freaking get, kidding me? Um, Mark, can we get like, I, how? What's the highest you've ever had it, and how do you oh, determine right. the length? So that's actually a great question. It's gotten very tall before. There's pictures I think from my rookie year where it gets up to about here, and it was actually much wider too. So um, it's it's kind of like narrowed and shrunk down as I've gotten older and. Um, and yeah, it, it fluctuates. I'll tell you, it fluctuates. I just cut it down the other day. Wow. I, yeah, I'd love to see it tall, but yeah, we're we're not getting any younger. Um, that that is excellent perspective. And by the way, no, 
There is no way I am cutting this head of hair. I barely, when I mess around with cutting my own sideburns, I usually have some sort of fatal flaw that I have to go in and get fixed. I don't even think Tucker and that head of hair, I don't even think you could cut that yourself, Ross. Um, but we also need to have you uh, weigh in. <laughs> you are the judge. I, I know you heard our conversation a moment ago about the Dr. Pepper yeah. halftime challenge of the BCS uh, college football playoff uh, championship games, rather, on Saturday. Chess pass or no chess pass? The game evolves, Mark. The game's got to evolve. Just let, happen football all the Just time. let him answer it. Just let him answer it. Stop trying to stop trying to bat, you know, change the witness, lead, leading witness. Let him answer it. Russ, Russ, you're not going to want me to answer because I'm siding with Dave. I say, however you got to get the ball through the hole, you do it. It's innovative. If you can't do a regular pass, if you can't grip the ball, if you can't throw it through, do it however you can. Win the money. It's all about the end result. It doesn't matter the process as long as you get the win. Get the win. You know I, what? You know, I, I, like, I, 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 so I had a coach tell me, and, and we you know, teach tackling all, all the time. And he said the only bad tackle is a missed tackle. At the end of the day, the only bad tackle is a missed tackle. So if you can get them down however you got to do it, you just do it. You do it. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, Mark. Oh, and I, if you, I know, I know. If, it, it does take a little bit to make a comeback from that because it was such – a good point. I see you hesitating there. No, here's what I would say. I understand that from a participant or a contestant standpoint. I am neither. I'm just somebody watching it on my TV, and I don't want to see people doing these little push past things. Okay. No, like I, if so I was I in it and I needed, if I was in it and I needed to do that, that was my best chance to win a hundred thousand dollars. I'd be doing the uh, underneath thing. I'd be doing whatever, you know, granny yeah. style, foul shot, whatever it takes. But as someone that's just watching it, I don't want to watch that shit. I, I don't want to watch yeah. a chest pass. Like, like, take the ball and throw it like a quarterback does. Or change your programming and don't have it on. To me, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I tell you, change I could. I, it was I like was you were coming back and you're like, you know, you're, you're watching and there's. You know, there's no commentary to it either. It's just like silent for a while and you're watching him do it. And you're just like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to set it up in my backyard. You're coming over next summer, Mark. You're not far away. We're gonna, and I'm going to I'm going to chess pass that thing because I <laughs> tiny hands. Unless they're kid footballs, I need to chess pass it. All right, let's talk about some Monday night football tonight. You've got the, the Eagles and your New York football giants. And I'm not sure if you've still stayed attached now as a fan after playing career with the Giants have ended. But it's a real interesting situation for the Giants who have gone into the tank. To say the least, they are swirling the drain. And now Eli Manning is back as the starting quarterback. Daniel Jones down anywhere from two to four weeks, which would be the rest of the season. And it's a tough situation, I would imagine, for Giants fans and for someone like you who played with Eli and played with this group. Because what's best for the organization is to keep losing and to get Chase Young, likely the number two pick in the NFL draft, the beast Ohio State who's broken the uh, school record for sacks. But on the other hand, it's Eli, one of the good guys in the game today, in my opinion, a future Hall of Famer regardless, but some feel his record could ultimately be what keeps him out. A couple more losses could doom him. What do you, as a fan, hope for with the Giants? 
So I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, if they keep losing, get a higher draft pick. But don't, the problem is, is there have been so many years in a row now that that's been the same conversation. And they've gotten high draft picks and they're still not winning. So you know, I think that that, to me, as, as a fan, you know, not just as a former player, but as a fan, that's the thing that I'm saying. Well, when are we going to start winning and when are we going to start seeing improvement? So um, I think that, you know, that point aside, you got to play every single game to your hardest. Right. There's there's just no way to go out and play as a player unless you're competing to your highest level because you will get hurt. You just absolutely will get hurt. It's already 100 percent injury rate in the NFL. And if you're not playing your hardest, it's. 120 percent not a real percentage but anyways it's it's 120 <laughs> percent so you know that's what i see as a uh, as a player and I, I know that's what they're preaching in the organization um you know i think kind of deep down dave gettleman thinks hey maybe if we lose a couple games we'll you know we'll be able to you know get a higher draft pick get who i want to get um coming in but the only problem with that is you're about to play your backup quarterback, who is Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl champion Eli Manning, who is pissed off, Eli Manning, because he's not playing. So he's going to come into this game, and you best believe he is going to try to make remake a name for himself. I don't think he's done playing football. I think that he's going to use the rest of this season to try to get a contract somewhere else where he can go in and be the starting quarterback. And that's just his mindset because he is a competitor and he is a fighter. And, and I know that that's the way he's thinking he's prepared every single week because he also knows that every single player on a football roster gets hurt. And eventually he was going to be able to come in the football game. And I actually look for him to perform really well against the Eagles. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to ask you that Mark, you think he's going to play really well tonight. Why? I, so I just think it's a familiar opponent. Um, I think that, he is he's going to not play safe. Like, I think at this point right now, Eli is not going to just sit back and, and you know, maybe take a sack or eat the ball or throw it away. He's going to try to force some balls in there. And to me, he plays his best football when everything is on the line. You think back to those years that we went to the playoffs. It was OK. Now we're in the playoffs. It's one and done. We lose. And Eli Manning comes in and plays absolutely fantastic. Even though all year he hadn't been that great during the most of the game, we had a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. But I think that he's the type of guy that keeps that same loving face the entire game, rides the ups and downs. But when it is the toughest or most on the line, he plays his best. So I don't know. It, maybe it's just hopeful thinking for a friend to go out there and, and, and kind of redeem something. But I think he's going to play well. Well, the way the Eagles have played, it's certainly believable. Talking to Mark Kerslick, former New York Giants, a Super Bowl champion, former BC Eagle as well. Have you kept in touch with Eli Manning? I, I was surprised to hear you say that you think he'll go on and he has one more stop in. And by the way, 116 and 116 career record. Have you talked to him? And why do you think there's one more stop in Eli Manning? So I haven't talked to him this season, um, but I know before the season when I did talk to him, um, he was obviously coming into this year, you know, fighting for that starting job and it was his, um, and then he ended up losing it. But to me, I just know him. Uh, I know, uh, his mentality. I know that it hurts him to have kind of lost that starting job. Um, and yeah, 
I just I just feel like he thinks he could still play football. I'm not sure if he's really ready to move on from that. Um, so to me, that that'd be the reason. You know, I just know him and his wife Abby and his daughters. He's he's got his family set up well. Everybody's you know they're not playing for money obviously anymore. I think for him, he's just playing because he still loves the game of football. What's uh, what's one thing, Mark, you could say about Eli that people might not know or realize or might not think when they just see him, you know, on, on Sunday nights or or Monday nights or whatever playing football? He loves fart jokes. Loves fart jokes. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's kind of like a class clown in the locker room. Uh, you would never, you wouldn't really notice that about him. But he's, you know, just for, for instance, he will. Uh, all the rookies come in and you know. It checks their phones uh, when they come in, when they're in meetings, special teams meeting, and he's not. And if you happen to not have a lock code on your phone, he will go in and he will change all your settings to Chinese. So you can't read them and you can't figure out how to set it back to English. So guys walk around with just Chinese all over their phones for the rest of the day until they <laughs> figure out how to reset it. So, you know, it's like little things like that, that, uh, you know, sets Eli apart. He's always, he, I mean, he's such a fun guy in the locker room. He, one thing, though, for me, I he chews with his mouth open, and I don't love it. Um, so that was something that I had to get over at the lunchroom, the cafeteria. Sometimes he chomps a little his food. Did you correct <laughs> him? Did you did you did you try to stop that? And, and and tell me more about the encyclopedic. Does he have like a lot of fart jokes, or does he stick with just the old reliable ones? Well, I think it's the old reliable ones that require no verbiage. The actual, they are jokes that arise from actual farts. So he, uh, he likes to stink up a room every now and then. <laughs> Mark, I, I want to ask you uh, with the game tonight. So I'm assuming you grew up a big Eagles fan, right? I did. I grew up an Eagles fan, yeah. Okay. So I know you've only been removed from it for like a year or so. So right now, are you a hundred percent allegiance in your mind to the New York Giants? I, yeah, I am. I mean, I just, I, I honestly, right now, I find myself watching most games just rooting for the underdog in every single game. I just like close, exciting games. Um, yeah, like watching that San Francisco New Orleans game, you're just like, man, this is just what football is supposed to be like. So I find myself doing that a lot. Um, and then really too, the team that has the most guys that I know, um, cause I'm still not that far out where I don't know a lot of players. So, you know, I'd start rooting for the guys I know. And, and then the giants at the end of the day, I root for the giants and I root for the players I know. Yeah. So I, I always tell people that that's how most, most guys are. The only reason why I ask is that I grew up in Reading outside of Philly, diehard Eagles yeah. fan. But then I played for the Redskins and the Cowboys and a bunch of other teams. And you only ever really played for the Giants. So that makes it a little bit different. But I played for a yeah. bunch of teams. But what's weird is, and maybe it's because I'm doing like Eagles preseason and pre uh, pregame and stuff. But with every year, and I think it's because all of my buddies, and I live back in Pennsylvania, so all my family members, friends, they're all diehard Eagles fans, so it's weird. Even though they never wanted me, and I never played for them, like <laughs> with every passing year, I, it comes back a little bit. I mean, I'm not like an Eagles fan, 
But right. it's kind of hard not to when you're around all of them. I know you live in Connecticut. You're probably going to be around Giants fans. So maybe maybe that'll always be that way. But for me, uh, and I'll be curious to talk to you in like five years, ten years, because the Eagles' uh, affinity has kind of come back a little bit with each passing year. I think when they won the Super Bowl, and it was just – it meant so much to my buddies yeah. that right. it's kind of – you know, in all sincerity, it's, it's kind of fun – to be a part, I mean, I went to my buddy's house. He was making cheesesteaks for everybody. I mean, it was just, it's kind of fun to be a part of that. Yeah, no, so I totally agree with you on that. And I found it more so falling back in the college football side um, and being, you know, more of a, you know, diehard fan for Boston College and, and those affiliations. Um, so and when I grew up, yeah, I was an Eagles fan because they were successful, you know, during the time that I was growing up and, you know, it was like the early McNabb era um, and, you know, going to NFC championship games all the time. So, you know, I was, I was a fan, but I had always been less of a fan fan and more of uh, just appreciating football and liking playing. You know, I, I very rarely would spend time on Sundays inside watching football games. I would mostly be outside playing like touch football or something. So um, I was never a diehard anything fan. So, yeah, I, I think I, I was rooting for the Eagles, you know, when they got to the playoffs that Super Bowl year, just, you know, because the Giants weren't in it. And I just, I really liked a lot of the guys. I mean, it seemed like they had a, Doug Marone had a really good, like, organization going on. They had a good feel and the guys, you know, hung out together and like, and you know, did, did life together, did church together. It was just, it was just like a really cool environment. So I seemed like, looked like the locker room vibe really well. So I was rooting for them that season. What you're hearing from diehard Eagles fans this season is they're not happy with their quarterback, Carson Wentz, though they're no longer questioning if Nick Foles was the wrong one to let go of. He is now on the bench. Let's listen to WIP radio in Philadelphia about those Carson Wentz complaints. Rhea, what will it take to get the city to turn on Carson Wentz after they lost to the Dolphins the previous week? Three and out on the first drive. <laughs> That's it. Three and out will do it. We would say yesterday, halftime Patriots Chiefs. Tom Brady and a team that's won six Super Bowls. They got booed off the field. It was astonishing. They got booed off I the field. It. Well, that's one thing. Brady couldn't care less. Right? Brady, that doesn't bother Brady. No, not for a second. It bothers Wentz. It does. Wentz is a sensitive guy. Yep. This thing will go bad fast if he starts poorly tonight in the rain. That, to me, is a fascinating story. Because if he completes this bad season he's had, everybody's going to say, I don't know if he's going to be the answer. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. That's Angelo and the morning team on WIP Radio in Philly. Talking to Mark Herzlick, former Giant, uh, Super Bowl champion, and you grew up, as you said, a fan of the Eagles. How quickly do you think that crowd will turn on Carson Wentz? And where do you think he's struggling this season? Why? Yeah, well, so I... So I don't think they're going to turn you know, right away. They still, you know, they still remember what he's done for them. Um, and I think everyone's also going to remember, you know, him trying to dive in the end zone uh, and getting his knee banged up. You know, to me, that was the real turning point for his career. And, and you know, they were still able to get into and win the Super Bowl that year. But he really hasn't been the same guy since. And, you know, I, I love there's an article that was uh, came out 
yesterday where Randy Randall Cunningham is talking about being a quarterback in Philadelphia. He said, you know, being a quarterback in Philly is like being, being an anesthesiologist. He says, there's no room for error. You got to do your job right the first time. And that's real. I mean, that's, you know, you go to New York, you go to Philadelphia. I mean, those are two of the really, you know, better fan bases that you can possibly have, but they also know football. They, they know what they're looking at. Um, and, it's just been, you know, it's been difficult this year watching Carson Wentz take some of the sacks that he's been taking, um, you know, not get the ball out fast enough um, and seeming like he's you know, just not comfortable in the offense right now. So yeah, I think that's the thing that the Eagles fans are are frustrated with. It's they're not seeing the same explosive passes down the field. They're not seeing the quick release um, and. Really, they're not seeing him use his legs in the same way that he had in that first year. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.